Well, good morning and welcome to everyone here and those joining us at our online campus and over at our Bush Lake campus. My name is Zach and I have the joy of serving here as the multi-site pastor as well as the Bush Lake campus pastor and I get to jump on the teaching team from time to time. And before we jump into our message, I'm gonna give another update about what has been happening here at Westwood over the last several weeks. Uh, many of you are probably aware that we have hosted a backpack and school supply drive. And all of that came to a culmination yesterday uh, across all of our campuses. Uh, here at our Chan campus, we hosted uh, a car show with the Westwood Wheelers along with a backpack and school supply giveaway. And it's believed that we gave out around 350 backpacks to families in need, which is amazing, which is amazing. But wait, there's more. At our Bush Lake campus, we were able to gather in about 75 backpacks to give to a local school there. And we also sent, as a church, a group of volunteers and staff to downtown Minneapolis to partner with Wayman AME, one of our church partners, uh, to bless Franklin Middle School and a number of other schools in that area, partnering with other local organizations. And it's believed that also there we gave out over 250 backpacks. We fed hundreds at a little outreach festival yesterday and Bibles were given to people, student Bibles as well, for people to know about the love and the goodness of Jesus Christ. So let's give it up one more time for what God is up to. Yeah. At Westwood, we say that we are blessed to be a blessing that we receive from God and we just simply give it away to bring honor and praise to him for the good of those around us. And we also say that we get to be the church. Okay, church isn't something that we just go to on Sundays, but it's something that we are actively involved in to bring the hope and the blessing of God into those all around us. Our faith is not just a spectator sport, but rather we get to bring heaven on earth. And yesterday and the last few weeks has been a glimpse of heaven on earth. And so that's where we find ourselves in the middle of a sermon series on heaven. We've been looking at the doctrine of heaven as well as numerous questions that rise up. And uh, in order to prepare for uh, the message today, I, I wanted to consult some scholarly resources to prepare. So I did that, I, I went to some scholars. I went to my kids. <laughs> My kids are four and two. Just a few weeks ago, we were driving home from running some errands and uh, I looked in the rearview mirror and I said to my son, Craig, who's four, I said, Craig, what do you think heaven is gonna be like? And he was sitting there in his child's seat, just kind of with his finger up like a philosopher. Hmm. And after a long pause, he said, Dino Ranch. And I was like, great, okay, you know, for Craig, my four-year-old son, he thought, you know, heaven is gonna be characterized and populated with people and with dinosaurs and there's gonna be things for people to do on this dino ranch in heaven. Okay, it's like, great. Now, what are we gonna do in heaven? Well, Pastor Joel is gonna talk about that next week, so I invite you to come back then. But what I wanna talk about specifically is how will heaven be populated? Because Craig got it a little bit right there as well. Heaven will be populated with people. I wanna look at this question, what are relationships in heaven going to be like? Because I'm sure that many of us have oftentimes had these questions rise up. Uh, you know, it's things like this. Will I be there in heaven with friends and family members? Will I be in heaven with my grandfather or my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather and will I even recognize them? If I'm there with them, what are we gonna do to fill our time? And are people gonna be there? Are they gonna be friendly in heaven? Will there be five o'clock traffic in heaven? Because it's really hard to be friendly in five o'clock traffic. Okay, nobody else, just me? 
asking for a friend maybe, who knows, but that's really what we wanna begin to unpack and look at. But before we dive in, I just wanna remind you of the three hopes we have in this sermon series that Pastor Joel has highlighted over the last several weeks. The reason why we are tackling this topic of heaven, first of all, we want to fire up your imagination for what heaven looks like and will be like. Second, we wanna engender a warm hope for each and every one of you. And then third, we wanna live as heaven on earth. Okay, we wanna see on earth as it is in heaven. And it's really this last little point that I wanna uh, really define our, our time today. I wanna give you one big idea for our time today. And that big idea is this, what we will experience there should influence how we live here. Okay, what we will experience there in heaven should influence and impact how we live here. Okay, heaven isn't just a concept and it's not just a place, but it should have an influence on how we live here. And put more specifically, the picture of our relationships in heaven should inform and influence how we approach relationships today here on earth as we bring heaven to earth. And so we'll look at this question, what will relationships look like in heaven? And we're gonna be digging into a number of biblical passages. uh, And really we're gonna be talking about heaven, eternity in about 25 minutes today. So I invite you to pull out your teaching notes. We've got a lot of ground to cover, lots of passages, but to give you a roadmap today, we'll see three key points. Uh, We'll see, first of all, companionship. Okay, what do we mean by that? Companionship, what will friends and family look like in heaven? Second, we'll look at this idea of compensation. And I know it's a unique word, but really what I wanna look at is what will we do in heaven with those friends and family? And then third, curiosity. Okay, there will be a posture of curiosity that will define our time in heaven. So companionship, compensation, and curiosity. But let's go ahead and dive into our very first point, which deals with this idea of companionship. And maybe you've thought to yourself, okay, what will our friendships and our family, what will our companionship look like? And then maybe that's prompted another question. Okay, if heaven is supposed to be uh, me dwelling and abiding with God for all of eternity and having my focus on him, then why is it important for friends and family, for those companions to to be there? Won't they detract and deter uh, from my focus, my energy, my effort towards God? Okay, maybe you've asked that. If not, maybe that's just me that's asking that question in my spare time. But what we can do is we can ultimately understand what it is that Jesus is calling to by going back to the greatest commandment that Jesus gave to us. It says this in Matthew 22. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So right here, we see this greatest commandment that Jesus is calling us to love. And, and within love, I mean, it just simply has to be others-centered. Okay, if I was to say something like, man, I love me, I love myself some me. Okay, that's not really love, that's selfishness. And that's kind of weird too, all right? But ultimately, we see that there is an object that is needed outside of us to be loved. And Jesus says that object is God. But then at the end of the day, we are sometimes kind of confused. How can we show our love for a God that we can't see with our eyes? Well, Jesus gives us that second command. He says, the way that you show your love for God is by loving other people as well. That there is a direct connection between your vertical and your horizontal relationships. That as you love God, you should love other people as well. And here's the thing. I don't think that Jesus just gave us this commandment and he said, oh, we're gonna cut it off right here. It's not relevant for heaven at all. I think that it carries through and there's a sense of continuity whenever we arrive in the new heaven and the new earth. 
In fact, Randy Alcorn, who uh, wrote a book on heaven, and it's really been foundational for this sermon series, he said these words. When others say, I will love only God and no one else, this is not only unspiritual, it's impossible. For if we don't love people who are created in God's image, we can't love God. And so when we find ourselves in the new heaven and the new earth, uh, we can see that we are called to love God and to love other people as well. And the reality is that we'll be able to express love and the totality of how God had uh, hoped that we would express it. And so then that leads us into another question. Well, what then is the purpose? What's the point of having friends and family and this companionship in heaven? Well, the apostle Paul answered it. As he thinks about his life here on earth and looking forward to being in the presence of God, he said these words in 1 Thessalonians. He says, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? So what is Paul getting at here? He's saying, man, uh, we're, we're thanking God for you. And as we thank God for you, it's gonna stir up our joy and our hope and our love for God as well. That as we are finding ourselves in community, as we find ourselves as the early church, uh, being a community with a mission uh, collectively together, moving towards the same goal, that Paul has his joy stirred up for them and for God as well. And so really for us, it's this reality that friends and family will stir up and encourage us to not just love others, but to love God. And so if we were to put words around this first point of companionship, we would ultimately say this. In heaven, our companionship will not detract, but it'll deepen our relationship with God and others. So in heaven, our companionship, our relationship with friends and families, it won't detract, it won't pull away, it won't deter, but rather it'll deepen our love for God and for others. And so whenever we think about this, it's, it's a reminder that when we find ourselves in heaven, we're gonna be free from the presence and the power of sin, that we'll be able to express love fully. And that as we are expressing love to other people, much like Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians, he's saying that uh, your love will be stirred up, your joy will be stirred up for God. And as you love God, you'll also have the chance to love others as well. That's why community and relationships are so important. And as we think about this idea of how living there in heaven should influence how we live here, it's an invitation for each and every one of us to take a step towards community. You know, here at Westwood, we have really two environments for that. We have teams, surf teams, and groups. And my wife, Cassie, and I, our family, we are involved in a group. And it's so encouraging whenever we get together uh, with other family members. And whenever I get together with some of the guys from our group and, and we're just like, talking it and just breaking it down. It's like, okay, how do I do this thing called life? How do I be a dad? How do I be a husband? How do I glorify God in my place of employment? And we study God's word together and we pray over one another. And we receive that encouragement that as we are in community with one another, guess what it does? It stirs up and it helps us to be and live like Jesus as we're helping each other do the same. And so maybe you haven't taken a step towards community here at Westwood yet. Well, I just wanna encourage you to do just that. In a couple of weeks, we're kicking off a new sermon series on relationships and we're launching some brand new groups with that. So maybe it's a chance for you to step into a new group or maybe even for some, God is prompting you to lead a group. And if that's you, you can write on your engagement card. You can check that box that says, I wanna engage uh, with community or with a small group and we would love to follow up with you, but we wanna help bridge the gap and help you step towards community because we can see here, relationships and community, 
They deepen our bond of affection with God. But then we ask the question, what will relationships then really look like? What will, the, what will we experience in the new heaven and the new earth? What will those relationships with friends and families really be like? Because as we mentioned before, we think about it, sin will no longer be present. We'll be free from the presence, the power, and the penalty of sin. And so in this moment, we'll be able to express fully love. And so just imagine what that'll look like. With friends and family, there, there won't be any comparison. There won't be any guilt. There won't be any shame. There won't be any gossip or backbiting or slander. There won't be any clicks. There'll just be perfect peace, harmony, and shalom in heaven. But not only that, what we see in Revelation is it says that all the families of the earth will be gathered together that if we think about our families, maybe for some, you kind of have a visceral reaction. You just think, man, I've got a terrible family situation right now. Oh, what Jesus is gonna do, he's gonna redeem our picture of family and of friends and give us a perfect picture for that. And that hope can help us to endure whatever it is that we are experiencing here today. That's our first point, companionship that our friends and our families don't detract, but they will actually deepen our relationship with God. But now we come to the second point, this idea of compensation, which I know is a little bit of a unique word. What do you mean by compensation? I don't necessarily mean compensation in terms of a monetary amount, but rather what I mean is that in heaven, God is going to redeem through the victory of Christ. He's gonna compensate us for things that are lost here. In fact, Jesus speaks of this in Luke chapter six. He says these words, Looking at his disciples, he said, Jesus said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the son of man. Here's the turn. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. And so Jesus opens up and he says, blessed are you who are poor, who hunger, who thirst, who weep, who cry. Uh, Blessed are you who are experiencing hardship and difficulty. Because then Jesus says, there's gonna be a great reversal. There's gonna be a great turn. And he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy for great is your reward in heaven. And so this is what we can ultimately see. That, that heaven will give us a hope that we don't have here now on earth. A hope that will help us to continually endure uh, because we can ultimately see Christ's victory. And so that's why I think it's important for us to take a step back and just enlarge our view of who Jesus is. I mean, we say Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. Uh, Jesus doesn't just give us fire insurance. He doesn't just pull us away from hell and give us heaven, but Jesus is renewing, restoring, and redeeming all things that are broken, fragmented, and and fractured in our world. And so for some of us, That brokenness that we are experiencing is the the loss of loved ones and the relationships that we feel like we've come up short on. So are there any of you here today that are weeping because you've lost loved ones? Here's the reward that we see because of Jesus's victory. Not because of ours, because of Jesus' victory. It says this, in heaven, lost time with loved ones will be compensated in full. Okay, lost time with loved ones will be compensated in full. That the, the places where we feel like we came up short, the places where uh, we feel like we're just longing for more, because of Jesus' victory, because of him being king of kings, we will be compensated in full. And so as a pastor, I 
have moments where I step in and it's an immense honor to speak at funerals. And some of the remarks that I share uh, are are things of, of this nature. For those who believe, for those who have faith in Jesus Christ, death is not a period. Death is not an exclamation mark. Death is merely a comma and this sentence of life that there is more after it because of who Jesus is. And I say, for those of us who who have our faith and trust in Jesus, every single step we take away from here is one step closer to being reunited with our lost loved ones because of Christ's victory. And Randy Alcorn, he gives a couple of examples. Maybe this touches home for you, but he says this, maybe on the new earth, my friend Greg will experience a greater but not dissimilar form of joy that he would have had on earth if he had not died as a teenager. Maybe all the things my mom missed because she died before our daughters became adults will be hers in heaven. Maybe those who lost infants to miscarriage and disease and accidents will be given makeup time with them in the new world. You know, I I think about my own life. I, I think about my friend who lost her father in her 20s and how she'll be compensated. How in the new heaven and the new earth, her father will be there to escort her down the aisle for the ultimate wedding feast, the feast of the lamb, the feast of Jesus Christ. I think about my friends who lost their son days before his second birthday. And what a reunion that will be like. How for all of eternity, they'll have the chance to make up lost time how Jesus will give them the compensation for time. Those who have lost children, those who have come up short on time here, those who have lost other family members too quickly, Christ will redeem and compensate us because of his victory. We can catch up and connect. And as we do, as we're connecting and loving them, guess what that does? That stirs up our love for Jesus as well. And so here's why this is important because we take a step back and we say, what we will experience there should impact how we live here. You see, I think a lot of times that Jesus gives us this picture of heaven, this picture of heaven that gives us hope and that gives us comfort to endure and to uh, continue to uh, continue along with whatever it is that we're going through now. It gives us hope to ultimately give hope to those around us. In fact, the apostle Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, you have been comforted from God to comfort those in trouble with the comfort you have received from God. And so God might be bringing you through that hardship, through that difficulty and giving you a picture of what heaven will look like so that you can love and minister and bring hope to those around you. I'm reminded of a a story of some Westwood attenders a few years back. They both lost their spouses suddenly and quickly and unexpectedly within about six months of one another. But because they served on a team together, they knew of each other's story and on Sunday mornings, they, they just gather up and they, they share life and they, they share their frustrations and their hurts and their hangups and, and just kind of talk through and they, they'd comfort one another. They, they'd bring hope to one another. They ultimately ministered to one another. And one of those people, they, they said to me, you know what, sometimes your pain is your platform. And so when I think about that, it's just a reminder. I'm not saying to excuse the pain. I'm not saying that your pain will just uh, immediately evaporate because a lot of times we're navigating this tension of life, of living in the already and not yet. We know that we will be redeemed, but it's not yet there quite yet for us. 
And yet it's taking the pain and the comfort that we've received from Jesus and using it as a way to love and to minister and to bring the hope of Jesus to those around us. Knowing though, though, that we have time and full compensation with lost ones that we love there in heaven and that should impact and influence how we live today. And we've seen first a companionship, we've seen a compensation, but now we come to this third point, this idea of curiosity. And curiosity, I, I get it, that too is a unique word. Uh, so what is it about curiosity? Well, I think that a lot of times whenever we imagine heaven, perhaps there's this thought that, you know, whenever I walk through the gates of heaven, am I just all of a sudden gonna like step into like this platform and, and this thing's gonna come over me and all of a sudden I'm gonna have all of the knowledge, it's, it's, it's gonna like be sucked into my brain, I'm gonna all of a sudden be omniscient, I'm gonna know all people, all facts, all figures for all time. Maybe you've thought, I don't know, maybe, maybe you haven't. I mean, this could just be sci-fi sort of stuff, I don't know. But I don't think that that's necessarily the picture of heaven that we get. You see, what I think is, is that there's a, a sense of curiosity that will identify us in, in heaven. Now let's unpack this. You see, I think that there's a connection between love and curiosity. Okay, there's, there's a connection between relationships and curiosity. And so let's think about this. This is what I would ultimately say. Our third point is this, a growing curiosity deepens our love for others. Okay, a growing curiosity deepens our love for others. Uh, imagine you meet someone new and hopefully you have a posture of curiosity. And as you get to know them, their feelings, their facts, all the things about them, you're gonna decide whether you like them or not. Uh, maybe you're in an exclusive relationship and as you learn more about this person, you're like, man, I, I know that shared experience or I, I, I know that about them and there's commonality, there's connection there. As you learn more about them, you grow in love for them. And that's the same with eternity as well, that we will have a chance to learn and to process and to grow in our understanding for all of eternity with those around us. Now, let me illustrate this with a brief personal story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my wife Cassie and I, we were sitting there on the couch watching the opening ceremonies of the summer games. And we're just enjoying it. We're, you know, it's like, man, this is great. And it's in Japan, of course. And at a certain moment, Cassie turns to me and she says, you know, I can speak a little Japanese, right? I'm like, we've been together for 12 years and you let that little fact out? And then all of a sudden she starts speaking in Japanese. I'm like, no, you can't. She starts speaking. And I'm like, who are you? Are you like an international spy or something? What is this? But after the initial shock and awe of, of getting up off the floor because I was so blown away by it, we begin to share and, and, and have a story. And she told me about how one of her favorite teachers as a kid taught her some Japanese because she lived in Japan. And, and it was just one of these cool moments that I just like, man, as that curiosity blossomed, my love for Cassie deepened through this way of just learning more about her. I was like, man, I knew she was good, but she is that good. Okay, wow. <laughs> and we can also see this, this posture of curiosity in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth as well. Uh, you see, John has this revelation and he records the revelation from Jesus in Revelation 7, 9, it says this. After this, John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. 
And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Okay, we return to this idea that on this side of eternity, we, we are bogged down by, by sin, that we, we don't always have the, the greatest chance to express love in its fullest extent. But in the new heaven and the new earth, when we are removed from that, uh, when the, the, the power and the presence and the penalty of sin is gone, we can now fully showcase God's love to those around us. And so here's the reality about it. In the new heaven and the new earth, we're gonna be surrounded with people who don't necessarily look just like us. They're not gonna speak the same language as us. And it's a great chance for us to posture ourselves in curiosity. As it says here, every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. But the amazing part about it is it's not just within our generation, within 2021, but every generation and every century believers of Christ before us. And so it's like, man, we're gonna be in heaven with people from like seventh century Europe learning from them. Like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. And then we're gonna be there with uh, believers from Japan and China. And yes, we will even be there with believers from Afghanistan who are experiencing hardship and persecution for their faith right now, worshiping with them and learning from them and all that it is that they have experienced learning from them, but not just that, not just learning from them, but learning with them. You see, because there's a chance for us to have a curiosity of exploring the new heavens and the new earth. As Pastor Joel mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, a lot of times we think that in an instant we're gonna be in heaven, but really there's a transitional time. There's a transitional element, a transitional housing. And then on this side, there is a more eternal heaven. Okay, go back to the first sermon if you need a refresher on that. But the reality is, is that we're gonna be walking through the gates in that new heaven and new earth together. You know, I think a lot of times we get this fear in our minds that it's like, man, am I gonna get to heaven? Kind of like I show up late to, to a family reunion or something like that and I feel like I'm trying to play catch up with everyone else. It's like, no, 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 we're gonna be walking through the pearly gates with other believers shoulder to shoulder, not just learning with them, but learning from them as we explore the new heavens and the new earth. And so here's what it looks like. We can learn from them and we can learn with them. We can have a, a bridge of love-filled curiosity. We could potentially learn a new language. Uh, it, it means that in the new heaven, our ethnicities, they're not gonna be erased, but they're gonna be elevated and celebrated as we are under the banner of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords under Jesus Christ. We'll worship together, we'll work together shoulder to shoulder. And because we have a genuine curiosity, uh, we can learn from them. And as we learn from them, we can love them. And as we love them, our love for God deepens and takes off as well. That's what it looks like to have a posture of curiosity because curiosity deepens our love for others. Now, as I said before, we don't just wanna see heaven as something out there, but rather heaven out there should impact how we live here. And at Westwood, we have our 10-year vision. We call it here, near, and far. 10, 10, 10. We want to see 10 church, uh, 10 multi-sites or micro-sites here, 100 church plants within the uh, multicultural centers of the Twin Cities, and 1,000 church plants overseas. And it's that middle 10, that 100 portion that is so exciting. And in fact, at Bush Lake, there have been some really cool moments. In fact, there's a church that's begun worshiping there over the last few years called Global Harvest Church. And uh, they're a multicultural church, but on Friday nights, the first Friday of every month, 
they have a worship service in the Tamil language. Okay, now Tamil is a people group and it's also a language. It's a people group of India and Sri Lanka. And I've had the chance to go and worship with them from time to time. Now, here's the thing. In seminary, I learned a little bit of Greek and a little bit of Hebrew, but Tamil, it's a whole nother ball game, y'all. Okay? But what's amazing is that as we are there, you know, I, I don't understand a word of what we're saying and singing but I know that it's not the mode or the method of worship, it's the object of our worship. We're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we're singing there shoulder to shoulder. And then uh, Pastor Ernest gets up and he, he preaches in Tamil. Now here's the amazing part. This is from what we believe the only church that speaks Tamil in the state of Minnesota. So people are driving from Rochester and down from Duluth just to worship and to learn about Jesus. And then after we worship and after we teach or after there's teaching, we go and we share a meal together and it's Indian food. Yeah, amen. And the smells are just amazing. But all that is birthed out of a posture of curiosity. And here's the thing friends, it is a glimmer, a foretaste of what heaven will look like with every tribe, tongue, nation singing to who? To Jesus, the King of King and the Lord of Lords. And so friends, I just wanna invite you as we wrap things up. First of all, we see that there's companionship, that yes, we will have friends, we will have family members there in heaven, completely free from the presence of sin. Yes, even those who we have a hard time loving here on earth, who are believers in Christ, there'll be forgiveness, there'll be reconciliation for us. And that as we love them, we'll love God even more. There'll be pockets and moments of compensation that whenever we feel like we've been robbed or, or brought up short of time here on earth that we can have time compensated with lost loved ones to catch up and reconnect. And then we can have this posture of curiosity that as we learn from and as we learn with others that will deepen our love for them and it'll deepen our love for God. So friends, may we be people who bring heaven on earth as we get to be the church for our good, our neighbor's good, and ultimately for God's glory. Would you please stand with me as we pray? Gracious Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus. You did it out of your love, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus, in your arrival, in your coming, you redeem, you renew, and you restore all things that are broken, fragmented, and busted. And we can see a picture of the new heaven and the new earth, how it is a place that we can experience hope, but it is also a place that informs how we live here. Jesus, you showed us how to pray. You said, on earth as it is in heaven, so may it be so here in Chanhassen and Chaska, may it be so in Mound, West Tonka, may it be so in Edina and Bush Lake and Bloomington and Eden Prairie and Richfield, may it be so around the world on earth as it is in heaven. Show us how to experience your love and your hope and ultimately, Lord, how to bring that hope and love to those around us. May we do this for our good, but ultimately for your glory. We pray all this in the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.